at last i am the one in the nice hotel room and you are the one stuck at home <laughs> oh whatever oh my gosh you're constantly off frolicking on vacations you can't but afford I'm, come give me a break. i mean that part is true and usually they're not even this nice <laughs> this is not Wait. even that nice although actually let me just say walking into an exquisite hotel that honestly like you didn't pay for I'll be Correct. honest, this is yes. a, a, a corporate trip, so my corporation mm. is paying for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing more exquisite feeling. Any sort of luxury that doesn't hit your credit card mm-hmm. is the deepest luxury that you can experience. Right, right. Absolutely correct. Um, yeah, I will have more to report on my work trip next week, I'm sure. Yeah, so you're, should you explain to our listeners where you are, not just some ambiguous luxury hotel? Um, I suppose. So I am in San Francisco for this week for a work summit and the days are packed. So got a lot to do. Got to wake up early and record this lovely podcast. Yes. Yes. A lot has happened this week. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we really need to get into it first before we get to the second part of our Scientology Tom and Katie deep dive. We have to get to some breaking news. So first of all, Ugh, another marriage irretrievably broken, another dissolution on the horizon. Emily Ratajkowski and her husband are divorcing. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is not a marriage though that I was like, I believe in love because of these two. Like this was not a Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson situation. Right, right, for sure. No, I think that I think that this is ultimately a lesson for people. Okay, because the rumor is that he's cheated on her. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the word on the street. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, how could you cheat on Emily Ratajkowski? How could you, you know, how if you if you're cheating on Emily Ratajkowski, no one has any hope. Listen, ladies, here's the truth. Do you want to hear my sermon, Chandler? Yeah. No, I I, I, I I think I know what you're saying. I'm right there with you. It'll be under 60 seconds. Okay. Maybe even under 30. Literally, it has nothing to do with you. It's all about the guy. It's mm-hmm. all about their right. issues, their inability, you know, to be happy with one person, their need for validation. Right. I mean, yes, relationships are two-way streets. And if you ne- neglect your partner, I think that does create vulnerability. So I'm not going to say that anytime someone cheats, it's just always that person's fault. I think every story is different. But ultimately... of the time when a man cheats or when anyone cheats, it's them dealing with their own demons, okay? Right. And And I think this is another great example of the fact that it doesn't matter how hot you are. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how sought after you are. If a guy's going to cheat on you, he's going to cheat on you. If you look at scenarios like this and think, wow, no one, like if if she gets cheated on, like literally anybody will, like you're saying, like you're putting a lot of that on the woman on like, or, you know, the other person in the scenario that it's, it's on you to keep your partner from cheating, which it just actually isn't. Right. And also here's another thing, another staunch defender of the female gaze moment. But I just want to say that, you know, bearing someone who you're distinctly hotter than is not an insurance policy against infidelity. Right. Okay. Right. So someone like someone call Geico and let them know that they can't be, you know, advising women to just marry, you know, a few tears down and levels of hotness to steal themselves against heartbreak. That's not how it works. You're better off dating a guy who's already had a great time than dating a guy who 
has issues there. And, you know, what do you mean by issues there? I just think that ultimately, like you get into murky waters when you're with a guy who experienced a lot of rejection and then maybe like become super loaded or something. And all of a sudden, you know, he he has a lot of unsown oats. I'm sure that type of person, maybe if that's been their experience, would have a lot of warped ideas of women like incel vibes. Um, right exactly and so and I think too it just comes down to confidence like you know you should just try to date someone looks you know because you can have people all different like looks that have varying levels of confidence but it just comes down to like confidence are they like a very secure person on their own right absolutely I totally co-sign that it's all about dating someone who's secure and confident and you can never 100% protect yourself you know you never know 100% you hope you do but you know you just never know what life will bring you and I think that ultimately the the key lesson though is like I literally think the key lesson is to just date someone who has independent confidence and that doesn't depend on you for like truly all of their validation I mean it's very normal to want validation from your partner um, you can ask Ben Manning about that, but uh, <laughs> I'm constantly asking for validation. Like, but I think, you know, truly are they dependent on you? Do they just fall apart if, you know, if you're not constantly stroking their ego? Well, also I will say, are you with a person who needs, who likes the chase? Yeah. Right. Who loves right. the pursuit? I mean, who loves that experience and who won't be able to deal well with the monotony of a monogamous right. relationship because yeah. a monogamous relationship gets monotonous. Yeah. It yeah. takes work to keep things, right. Right. you know, to keep the spark. That is the reality. And if you, and if, you know, I, I see it a lot amongst certain people and friends I know, like there are certain people that need novelty that just need right, that. They right. need new people. And for them, it's always going to be difficult to have a monogamous relationship. And yeah. I think that you can look at the person, whoever you're dating, and really be honest with yourself about look at this person's history. Do they seem like a person who enjoys commitment and stability or mm-hmm. a person who enjoys pursuit? Right, and that right. will tell you a lot. Right, right. And like high drama. Yeah. My guess is that this guy's a playboy and always has yeah. been. And, you know, it just is what it is so and also yeah absolutely I think we should do another dating episode yeah I'm super into that I'm definitely down for that um it's been a minute since we've talked about all things relationships and romance but yeah okay speaking of relationships gone awry I just saw this this morning Joe Coy and Chelsea Handler broke up you know, this actually took me by surprise yes. because they felt like very Falchuk energy mm-hmm. to me, very Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Falchuk, very right. um, second relationship or later in life, maybe you could say. Midlife lovers who right. seemed completely suited to each other, just basking in the glow yeah. of their incandescent romance. Right. And so to see this relationship reft asunder, it's definitely rattled my world this morning. It, this this is. This rattles me way more than Emrata rattled me. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I will tell you that a Kate Bosworth-level breakup poem from Chelsea Handler mm-hmm. has also kind of, you know, left me so, feeling like I'm on shaky ground on the earth. Like, what could happen next? This is what I think happened. And this is totally me inferring stuff from, okay. like, you know, seeing what the blogs are saying or seeing what, like, people who follow both of them closely. So, apparently... They were just supposed to go to Hawaii with both of their extended families. 
And now Joe is just there by himself or just there with his family. And I think that, I think that he might've broken up with her. I think that he might've been the driving force. Not that this is like, I don't know. That's not the most like incredible thing I guess to fixate on or to talk about in a breakup. But I do just think it seems odd that they had all these future plans and, and that now they're just like suddenly off. And I think, I don't know. There's just something I think as a woman, that if, if you talk about someone in the way that Chelsea Handler talked about him, like you don't talk that way about a guy who you think actually could like peace out or was about someone who you aren't sure of their feelings for you. I think this totally caught her off guard or at least she did not see it coming. I mean, I just would never talk like that. Even in, even in her breakup post, I don't know. I just like, I would be guarding my heart more, I guess, like with the words I'm that sorry. I used. I totally disagree. I think there's no way he broke up with her. Because if a guy breaks up with you, there's no way you can get to the the space of basically within the same week writing about how this man blew your heart open with love. And because of him, your life experience really? has been changed forever. N- absolutely not. I think you that think. she okay, must so have broken she- up with him. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I just... This is the, these are like the apologetic words of someone trying to make the other person feel better. Yeah, I know. That's a, it's an excellent point. I just, I can't imagine talking about someone like that on, on my podcast or on Instagram who I didn't feel totally like sure of with my future. And maybe I'm just more like, you know, guarded with my heart than she was, but yeah. Interesting. Come on. Listen to this. The the end of her Instagram post says, so please continue to root for both of us because you never know what life will bring. And let's first start by all going to the theater on August 5th to buy tickets to Joe's new movie, Easter Sunday and Filipino Pride. Like, are you kidding me? I feel like she's she's an expert PR person who's used to being in the public eye. Like celebrities wrap up their breakups very well. So Mm. I don't know. I would say given the depth it seemed, given the depth of their romance as it seemed to us over the interwebs. Yeah. It's very unlikely to me that she would have been able to issue such a statement. Like it doesn't, for me, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, but why, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, for some reason that just doesn't feel real to me, but yeah, it is. It is a very like I've moved on. I've healed from this. I've worked through it like energy caption you know 10 days out or whatever okay and let me also ask you a question you plan a group trip with someone you break up with them and say you can't come on the trip or you break up with them and you and and you you say say, go to hawaii but just go go have your fun with your family like oh really i'm gonna break up with you and still go on this trip I don't think yeah, so. I don't. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you're the person broken up with and you're like, but I'm I mean, still I going. Don't, I don't know if she planned the trip. Who knows? Who knows? All Who I know knows? is I was, I was rooting for them and I honestly yeah. am sad. I'm sad because I did. Yeah. I, I got that same energy. So anyways, like, you know, it's a hard world out there. Heartbreak warfare. Yeah. Honestly. Um, okay. One thing I wanted to note before we get into Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes deep dive part two I want to take a moment to talk to talk about Jen Shaw. Um, okay. So I believe we already touched on this last episode, right? We already mm-hmm. discussed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Or on the Patreon, been, either one. On the Patreon, we discussed our reactions to her guilty, her pleading guilty. Right. So, and we also talked about on last week's Patreon, Royals Deep Dive Part Three. We also chatted our reaction to Mom Talk and mm-hmm. uh, Mormon Mom Talk doing her. Um, 
you know, dancing to her custody video. So as one does. Brief plug, if you want to access 100 plus bonus episodes of Pop Apologists, including all of our Johnny Depp Amber Heard coverage, and listen to our Royals deep dive, which is in full swing, head on over to Patreon, link in the show notes, help us get to our goal of 1,000 patrons by 2023. Um, We would very appreciate it. Okay. But now back to Jen Shaw. So one of the things that I think is very interesting about the Jen Shaw case, and I'm not sure if you know about this, Chan, but this is something that came to my attention and I didn't know. So I don't think it's commonly known. Okay. She was indicted previously before this huge federal case happened, the case against her. She was previously indicted in 2016 for the same crime. What? Yes. Okay. So when it comes to Jen Shaw, I'm just going to also do a quick overview of exactly the the crime she committed. So for almost 10 years, Jen and her assistant Stuart are, are, I guess, have now pled guilty to building Mm -hmm. a telemarketing scheme that, uh, that targeted people over the age of 55. The, they basically, they built lead lists for potential victims and sold those to telemarketing companies that they knew were scamming elderly right. people. They received a profit share of the fraudulent revenue. Um, so the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that this they began doing this in 2012. And they were actually indicted in 2016, or the case was opened and investigations began in 2016. And they were informed that they were being investigated in 2016. And between 2016 and till the time she was arrested, the scams continued. But I guess they just became even more sophisticated and they tried to hide them even more. (gasps) And so what I think is the most interesting part about this is that it's not like in 2021, Jen Shaw is arrested and told what she's doing is illegal. She was informed what she was doing was illegal in 2016 yeah. and, conti- and doubled down on I the mean, crime. Yeah. If any, and so, then decided to go on a reality TV show. Yes. That is what makes me think that the judge is actually going to throw the book at her mm-hmm. and give her the maximum because first of all, the wow. judges love to make examples of celebrities. Yeah. So they know something's in the public eye. They don't want to go easy on that person. But second of all, I just think it's very interesting that she, there's no plausible deniability for her that mm-hmm. she didn't know what she was doing was right, illegal. Right. Like she was informed it was illegal in 2016 and continued to do and- it just in a more sophisticated way. And I bet, honestly, playing guilty is like a one strategy for just like trying to minimize like how terrible the outcome's going to be. Well, apparently, um, this is all actually stuff I learned in Kate Casey's podcast on on this. Kate Casey just came out with a great podcast, so I highly recommend everyone listen to it once they're done with this episode. But apparently, when you so I guess it's all been happening over Zoom. So it's all been Zoom court, right? Until very recently. And what the attorney said on Kate Casey's podcast was like, when you actually go sit in a courtroom and a judge is looking down at you Mm -hmm. and you see the empty jury box that's going to be filled with peers judging you and you see the evidence brought before that the U.S. attorney has, it's a very, everything becomes very real. And all of a sudden, I think the reality of what she was facing came crashing down on her and also the very real, you know, understand knowing she was guilty and right. seeing, okay, well, at least this way I can 
potentially have life after this and I'm not going to go to prison for Forever. 30 years or yeah. 50 years. Wow. So it's yeah, really crazy stuff. Sad. It's also just, I think sh- she's a soulless person in my opinion. It's classic mental illness, narcissism. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. What else is on the list? Should we get into Scientology? I'm kind of dying. I feel like you left me on a cliffhanger last week. So I think we should just yeah, get into Tom Cruise. Can I talk to you about a product that you love, that Courtney loves, and that I love? Please. Early bird CBD gummies are so phenomenal, everyone. They are the perfect 2.5 milligrams of THC and 12.5 milligrams of CBD. So this concoction, it gives you the warmest, gooeyest feeling. They have the magic formula. I love the watermelon flavor. That's my favorite. I also love using them when I know I need to get a good night's sleep and I can sleep in. You guys, we love Early Bird CBD so much. We reached out to them to see if they'd be interested in sponsoring the show because we were like, these products, these gummies, everyone needs to know about them. We're going to tell them about, about them anyway. So maybe we can get paid to do it. And honestly, we just cannot recommend them enough. We have a link in our show notes. You can go to earlybirdcbd.com. Use code POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Earlybirdcbd.com. POPAPOLOGIST20 for 20% off. Do yourself a favor. Try the gummies. They ship to all 50 states, everybody. You got to try it. Earlybirdcbd.com. Okay, let's do it. Okay, can I just say, I watched another Tom Cruise movie while I was on the plane. Lauren, the 90s film, The Firm, okay? Maybe it was even the 80s. I think think it was maybe 90s. The Firm featuring Tom Cruise is so hot. He's so hot. Like, young Tom Cruise, there's nothing better. Can I just say it? There's nothing better? I think that especially for maybe some young millennials and Gen Zers listening to this podcast right now, it's easy to forget the star power and allure that the extremely striking figure that Mm. Tom Cruise cut, you know, especially in the early 2000s. I mean, this was a man at the peak of his game, peak of his hotness. And quite frankly, I think to a lot of girls, he was their dream guy. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Cruise, interestingly to me, like I think he has aged well, but he doesn't have the same Brad Pitt factor where I think people are still so hot for Brad Pitt. Yeah. And even though Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise were kind of adjacent in terms of star power and hotness back in their heyday, Tom Cruise, I wouldn't say is as fond over. So we have to just remind people of his hotness. Here's the thing. Brad Pitt has, has aged like a fine wine. Like I feel like he's honestly, to some degree, only gotten better. And like mm. more stylish and like, you know, I mean, those $2,000 shirts are really working for him. But Tom Cruise looks like a little bit more like work has gone into like preserving him. And I think that's a slight turnoff. If I can just be super mm. catty. So I'm going to say that the 60-year-old, uh, late 50s, early 60s, I don't know how old uh, Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt is. I'm going to say that the current iteration of Brad Pitt, which is a a gorgeous but, you know, older man in a fedora, a little hipster vibes for my taste, does not compare to the, oh my gosh, the I don't know, rugged, though. strong, intensely muscly specimen, Adonis, that graced our screens on Legends of the Fall. I mean, you watch that movie and you suddenly, let's just say... Brad Pitt is a gene pool you want to wade into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I will say I saw The Lost City and literally one of the only redeeming factors was how hot Brad Pitt still looked. I mean, standing next to Channing Tatum, I still think who's like probably 20 years his junior, he's still hotter in my opinion. 
Yeah, but, but uh, I'm talking about Brad Pitt now versus Brad Pitt in his sure, prime. Sure, sure, okay? sure, sure, sure. Okay, they're just but to me that he's still a ten. All of them are tens. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, well, I wouldn't say Brad Pitt's a ten to me, but um, yeah, okay, he's very attractive to this day. We're getting in the weeds though. Um, let's go back to Tom and Katie. So in 2003, Chandler, Katie's path crossed briefly with Mimi Rogers on the set of Dawson's Creek. Okay. Okay. So Chandler, do you remember who Mimi Rogers was? Uh, that Tom's is Tom Cruise's. Correct. His first wife. Apparently she was in the makeup chair and somehow the conversation turns to Jerry Maguire and Katie made a motion to stop talking. And once Mimi Rogers had left the room, Katie told the other women in the room that Mimi was Tom Cruise's ex-wife. And then I guess one of the actresses in the room reported that Katie then launched into a big spiel about Tom Cruise being married to Mimi Rogers, Scientology, Nicole Kidman. She apparently knew everything about him. What? She said, I have had a crush on him since I was 15 and his posters were on the walls of my bedroom. She apparently could not stop talking about him. And this was way before they got together, but she was certainly ready for him. This is a direct quote. So in April 2005, Katie Holmes does an interview with Seventeen Magazine. In it, she talked about her engagement to actor Chris Klein, saying that I think every little girl dreams about her wedding. I used to think I was going to marry Tom Cruise. Wow. So apparently Tom's handlers got wind of the article and decided to bring Katie in under the guise of interviewing her for Mission Impossible 3. But really, they had her in mind as Tom's next girlfriend. Um, after the meeting, everyone was smitten with Katie. She was a beautiful poised and most importantly, impressionable. They thought Katie was approved by Tom and his handlers. And then their relationship took off. Katie ended her engagement to Chris Klein. And then two weeks later, Katie and Tom went on their first date. So one wow. thing I want to note, yes. One thing I want to note is that someone sent in the DMs and said that they witnessed one of these contracts and worked in a PR agency that was sent over to a possible young actress to be his next wife. So really, yeah. And not only did it include money, but it included film roles. So wow. that's just hearsay, some Dumois-ish, but Can just I letting y'all know. say really quick that I think having handlers sounds kind of nice? That's all. Uh, yes. I would like to be handled wherever I go. I would like everything yeah. handled. Right, right. Um. Okay. So speaking of luxury, their first date was extravagant. They ate sushi on his private plane. I wonder if he like they just had sushi on the tarmac or if they were actually know. flying the plane while they're eating the sushi. Plain sushi. Sorry, choose any other dish. I don't know. Plain sushi just sounds like salmonella. Even I guess it could have been fresh, but no thanks. Apparently, he then took her out on his motorcycle for a ride around Santa Monica, and afterwards, he surprised her with a limo full of flowers and chocolates. Wow. Katie fell for Tom very quickly, Chandler. Um, how would you do with a bunch of grand gestures like that? Super well. I know I yeah, do super well with grand gestures. No problem. I think that the only way grand gestures are creepy is if they come from someone who you're not into. Because then all of a sudden it's like so you're so overwhelmed right. by the gestures knowing you yeah. can't match the person's energy. But otherwise, you know, it's been a minute since I've had any sort of gesture of really any magnitude, let alone a limo of flowers and chocolates. 
the last big grand gesture was honestly probably Ben flying to San Francisco for our second date. That's it. That was yeah. it. Been wow. a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So they were both doing press for different movies at the beginning of the relationship. Katie was promoting Batman Returns and Tom was promoting War of the Worlds. They ended up joining each other on a lot of their appearances, but seemed to talk less about the movies they were in and more about each other. The tabloids quickly gave them their celebrity couple name, Tomcat. Things are strange from the very beginning. In May 2005, less than a month before they start dating, Tom appeared on The Oprah Show. And yes, this is the infamous couch jumping interview. So let me play that. You and Katie look like, look at this, look like you were having a very good time. And I have to say to you, I've known you for quite a while and we've spent some hours together. And I've ne- you are such a, a, an intensely, I mean, intensely, intensely, intense, intense <laughs> but an intensely private person. And then now you are just out everywhere, kissing and hugging. I was on the honest to goodness, I was on the dance floor. I looked over and I saw her doing this to you. <laughs> she was doing that to you. And you all were like, I, I, I go, what has happened to you? <laughs> what has happened to you? Something happened to you. Something happened to you. I'm in love. Yeah. I'm in love. And it was one of these things where it's like, you know, you want to be cool. I was like, yeah, I like her. You know, she's cool. <laughs> That's not me. That's not how I feel. So what, when, how, what, how, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was okay. So, did it start with is it true that you called her for a meeting for something? Is that true? We have to get into details of everything. No, no, yes. We. Okay, so that shows, you know, the level of intensity and public performance that this relationship really began with. Right. For any of us, you know, who maybe weren't paying attention at the time or just to refresh everyone's memory. So we're going to play a few more clips from Oprah interviewing Tom just to really, you know, the the clips are kind of long and meandering, but I think that they illustrate just kind of the craziness. They capture some of the crazy of the time. I admired her and I thought that uh, I wanted to meet her. So I called her uh, because I wanted to meet her. (laughs) Honestly, and I just... You see someone's work and you you hear about them and you hear from people what a special person she is. And I, I help a lot of people. A lot of people call me for advice on career and life. And there's, you know, I'm kind of known for that. And, and so I just, I meet with people and I wanted to meet this this woman. And, uh, and I met her and she's... Okay. I met her. She's, you met her? Yes. Extraordinary. She's truly... She's... Wow. Okay, so one thing I want to say about that is I just, first of all, it sounds, it tracks so well with the idea that she was basically plucked to be his next person. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I just called her and wanted to meet her. There was no organic way of them meeting. Right. Also, right. really, Tom Cruise has just been admiring the work of Katie Holmes and Dawson's Creek. Like, that literally. Is just, I'm, I'm thinking like, first daughter like wasn't she in some movie where she was like some disney channel movie? like <laughs> first no it's like daughter. finding liberty or something like no chasing liberty no no is it I first know daughter exactly you're talking yeah i think it's one of the two but she plays like the daughter of the president the of the daughter United of the States, president this is yeah. very like mary kate and ashley olsen adjacent corny like disney yes. movie essentially like On a, yeah where she like in a, 
no, she had, actress. Exactly. Yeah. She wasn't like Frances McDormand. <laughs> I just really admired her work. Yeah. Okay. Oh Can I also just say someone being like, you know, a lot of people call me for life advice. I'm just kind of that person. Like, oh, cringe. So cringe. Okay. So let's play another clip. I have, you know, I have to tell you, no, when you meet someone that's like, you go, huh? And we, there's so much that we have in common. And, and I just thought, I heard you I'm not gonna be, was, I can't be cool. You know what I mean? I can't be laid back. I just, it's something that has happened and I feel I want to celebrate it. And, and it's something that, and I want to, I want to celebrate her. She's a very special, she's a very special woman. And you're going to, I'm sure you know her. You're going to get to know her even more. She's really. Well, anxious to meet you as well. <laughs> <laughs> the audience just erupts i know it's just the yeah it's just absolutely baffling so after the oprah couch jumping interview tom faces instant ridicule and it goes completely viral um this was also a turning point for pop culture so for all of our pop apologist historians out there it's important to note that this was when gossip blogs were really getting started and this interview actually accelerated things people wanted more of celebrities not just the occasional people magazine polished interviews um Throughout the summer of 2005, Tom and Katie were everywhere, media appearances and movie promotions all over the place. In August of 2005, Katie presented Tom with the Generation Award at the MTV VMAs. So I'm going to play that really quick. The first MTV Generation Award to an extraordinary artist. (laughs) Do people really want the truth? The truth is, is that most of us first met this man when he was dancing in his underwear and feeling the need for speed. Anyway, it's actually quite jarring to watch her as she delivers the speech because her face is just completely overwhelmed and overcome with like the most blistering of love and smiles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really interesting. There's- there's an extreme sincerity from the both of them and like unguardedness yes. with their love, which is crazy to see from a celebrity. Katie has drunk the Kool-Aid for sure. So she appears on the cover of W Magazine in August 2005. And this interview is just completely bizarre. Katie seemed to be completely unable to talk about anything other than how much she loves Tom. And this is this interview happens only six weeks after they've met, okay? Um, and the way that I highly recommend if you guys, it's not that long of an interview, but go read the August, 2005 W magazine cover with Katie on it. That interview, it is, it is really, really strange. Um, the way she talks about Tom, it's not even necessarily in a sweet way. It feels very rehearsed and robotic. Oh, weird. Also, she has a Scientology handler there present at all times to deflect questions that seemed, that seemed critical or probing. So I'm going to um I'm going to read a little bit from the interview to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So Katie says, from the moment I met him, it just felt like I'd known him forever. I was blown away. He's the most incredible man. He's so generous and kind and he helps so many people and um he makes me laugh like I've never laughed and he's a great friend. So this is how the conversation begins and this is how it continues and this is how it ends no matter how much the interviewer tries to change its course. The interviewer asked, do you ever worry that this might be a rebound romance for either of you? Mm-hmm. I've, I've never met anyone like Tom. 
Helms replies, her beautiful green eyes focused on nothing in particular. Do you ever wonder if, do you ever wonder whether this is just a honeymoon phase? Tom and I will always be on our honeymoon phase, is how she replies. Um, So if that weren't already clear, just then security guards bring into the dressing room a giant silver box tied with a thick purple ribbon. A small crowd gathers, it, it reads, to watch her gleefully tear open the package and pluck out a Chanel diamond necklace, a gift naturally from Tom. He's my man. He's my man. She screams ju- and then jumps up on her chair to do an impression of Tom from the <gasps> Oprah interview. People can begin to cheer in the room. This is your moment, cries the manicurist. Oh my I can gosh. do the splits. Holmes says, jumping down and splaying herself across the floor. On that note, I suggest we should probably get the photo shoot started. On that note, she replies, I love him. Oh my gosh. It's <laughs> yes. eerie. It's kind of spooky. It honestly, it's very Stepford, Stepford wife spooky. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Tom and Katie apparently laid it on so thick during the early days of their relationship that people were doubting whether it was genuine. Really? Mm-hmm. They were getting suspicious of their motives since they made such a show of their relationship. Was this relationship genuine for either party at any point or was it all a sham? So the question is, if the relationship is a sham, what does each party have to gain? Well, Katie was probably in love with him for a time or at least the idea of him. He was her childhood celebrity dream crush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plus, many sources say that Tom is actually an extremely charismatic, wonderful person oh, who makes absolutely feel very important. Yeah, absolutely. So Katie began studying Scientology soon after she and Tom began dating and she started her auditing session. So that's where you grab the cans, Chandler. Oh, yeah. No, I know. However, Katie's career stalls. So what's interesting about Katie's career is really she should have actually, you know, ascended the movie star ladder right, being right. married to Tom Cruise in the same way that Amber Heard did with with Johnny Depp getting Aquaman. Um, but this didn't really happen for Katie. She was definitely more famous than before, but her career doesn't skyrocket the way you might think it would have. And she actually starts giving up movie roles, including mm. her role starring as Edie Sedgwick in Factory Girl. Um, she pulled out of the project allegedly because the themes of the role didn't align with her new religion. Oh. After she yeah, starts dating Tom in 2005, Katie didn't have another project come out until 2008 and then another in 2010. So two projects in five years is not a lot for an actress in the prime of her career, mm-hmm. you know, married to one of the world's biggest movie stars. Right, right. Do you... So, okay, so when did mm-hmm. they get married? So in June t- 2005, they get engaged. So it's just seven weeks after their relationship Stop. begins. And one week after Ken- Katie converts to Scientology, Tom proposed to Katie at the top of the Eiffel Tower. It's, it's just so funny how, like, corny a it's lot of these so details corny. are. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of a grand gesture, but if you're going to spend, you know, a couple grand at least, if you're going to spend five to 10 grand on something, don't make it a limo filled with chocolate and roses. Like, please, I mean, I beg of you. All of these romantic gestures are like what you would write in your journal as like an 11 year old, like what I hope my future husband will do for me. Propose at the top of the tower. It's literally the romantic ideas of the most basic of bitches. Um, 
Right. right. There's just like absolutely no taste, nothing interesting about any of any of these details um, except for their banality. So he proposes with a five carat yellow diamond. He also apparently read Katie a two page poem that he wrote for her. Whoa. No thanks. Pass yeah. on that one, but I'll take a, I'll right take a along. hard pass on coffee <laughs> yeah. shop poems from your beloved. Listen, listen. If you're not a poet, just put I don't down need the a pen. poem. That's I would advice. love a two-page yeah. letter. Uh, and exactly. you know, I love an ode, a written ode to me. I don't need it to be in you know verse. In verse, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's just use. Let's just use straight, straightforward prose to promise yeah. our love. Let's not delve into the realm of metaphor and symbol no. and rhyme unless right. that is a true skill yeah. we have honed. Otherwise, it's cringe. It's literally like it's like writing a song for someone if you're not a yeah. songwriter. It's just so cringe. Well, and like when someone's reading you something like very artistic that they've done for you, it's just like awkward to try to figure out how to react. Yes, Okay, so in October 2005, Tom and Katie announced their pregnancy. So just Wait, let's, let's which is this timeline? Yeah, yeah correct. Please. So in June of 2005, they're engaged seven weeks after after they start dating, and then in October of that very year. So what is that? June, July, August, September. Five months later, Tom and Katie are, or Katie is pregnant with Tom's child. Insane. So some, that's insane. Yes. So some weird details about their birth and pregnancy. Tom bought a sonogram machine for home use. So there's a lot of wacky ideas in Scientology about births. Um, It's like a very big deal in Scientology. Chandler, did you know that Scientologists also participate in silent births? Do you know what a silent birth is? I mean, I can read between the lines. (laughs) Do you know what a clear blue sky is, Chandler? (laughs) So you're not allowed to like make any type of noises? No one in the room. I think the the woman giving birth is allowed to make noises, but no one in the room is allowed to make noises. Hmm. Maybe I'll explore that with my first child. Lauren, the wall behind you, it's quite barren. What's going on there? (laughs) You know what? I find getting things framed to be very stressful. And so I've just never done it. I don't basically have anything framed in my home. And it's sad for me. It's very sad, which is why we are so lucky to be sponsored by Framebridge right now. Yes, I am so excited to correct this wrong in my life. What's so great about Framebridge is for other people also intimidated by a gallery wall, if you go on their website, you can just very quickly, easily upload like five photos or whatever it is, and they will send you different dimensioned, cute frames, beautiful, sleek, modern, so you can just hang your gallery wall and it's good to go. They make it very easy on a layperson like yourself. Everyone, see why Framebridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit framebridge.com or a local Framebridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's framebridge.com. So this is Tom explaining silent births to just a stunning Diane Sawyer and a chic and stable and omnipresent I, Bob. I love Oprah, but I was hoping we were going to get a little bit of Diane. Oh, and here she is. Here she is for us. <sighs> Another controversy. It is all through Scientology books that even unborn children must be protected from negative emotions. 
there's a rumor that there's even a mouthpiece to keep the mother silent during birth. Photographers captured Scientology posters being carried into his home. Be silent, make movements slow, make gestures slow. What is this about? I, I don't even know those photos. It's basically just respecting the mother, you know? I mean, uh, and helping to be quiet. Not the mother. The mother makes as much noise, and people, you know, she's going no through it. No bit in her mouth. No, no, no. She, knows. she does what she's got to do, okay? And there's this whole thing that if she needs medicine, she needs medicine. There's no, it's, 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 we're there, you know, with doctors, and there's, you know, whatever needs to be administered, whatever the woman wants. I'm not going to tell Kate, you know, if she needs an epidural, she's going to get her epidural. Uh, it's, and if she's going to make noise, she's going to make noise. But why have other people make noise? You know, you want that area very calm and to make it very special. Honestly, not a terrible idea. <laughs> Honestly, no, I'm exploring this for my first child. We'll see. It sounds kind of nice. Um, okay. So in April 18th of 2006, Surrey Cruz is born. Wow. This um, rocked the world. I remember. I remember this day. I was. I will say that anyone who tells me that Suri Cruz is not the biological daughter of Tom and Katie, like I think we've I've gotten at least one DM that's like, oh, they should, you know, he is infertile and they have to use a sp- they used a sperm donor. Like, do you have eyes? Are are right, right. is your vision working? Because this yeah. is so clearly the spitting image of Tom Cruise, that right, child. Right. Um, and then in November of two thousand six, so after. Surrey's birth, Tom and Cruz get married. They get Tom married and Katie, at- you mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tom and Cruz. It- Tom and Cruz. So, of course, Chandler, they get married in Italy at a castle in front of more than 150 guests. Leah okay. Remini was there, J-Lo, the Beckhams. Wow. There was a performance, of course, John Legend, Andrea Bocelli, oh, okay. as well as a performance by Tom. He sang, you've Stop. lost that loving feeling to Katie, a nod to him singing in Top Gun. Um, Oof. The Tom show continues. Yes. So for those who don't know, uh, Andrea Pacelli performed at both Brad and Angelina's wedding and Kim and Kanye's wedding. So he really makes the celebrity wedding circuit. Tom allegedly gifted Katie with her own Gulfstream jet as a wedding gift. Okay. So that's a grand gesture uh, I can get on board with. <laughs> yes. Not oh, corny at all. Gosh. For the record, I don't think that's corny. I would happily accept that. Okay. So Throughout their marriage, Kate doesn't work very much and really kind of goes quiet um, during these years. So from Mm -hmm, 2006 mm -hmm. to 2012. However, right in 2012, after five years of marriage, Katie blindsides Tom with a divorce. So one thing I want to say is that there's a lot of speculation about Katie divorcing Tom at the five-year mark because basically people have intimated from that, have Mm -hmm. inferred from that, that there was some sort of five-year clause in their prenuptial agreement. Yeah. That seems like completely self-evident. Absolutely. So while Tom is filming the movie Oblivion in Iceland, Katie called Tom to tell him she was leaving him, which he was completely caught off guard by. Apparently, Katie had been planning this exit for some time. So 
This is all alleged. Katie cannot speak about any of this. But from what we can gather, Katie was feeling controlled by Scientology. Yeah. She had handlers, auditors, and security that all reported back to Tom and the church. So she was constantly watched over and monitored. Mm-hmm. And if she needed, if she was going to get out, she had to get out quickly. But she also needed to play it cool while she got all of her ducks in a row. In a row. So in order to begin her exit plan and lay the foundation for it, Katie gets an apartment in Chelsea in New York for okay. her and Surrey to live in while Tom was filming, saying that it almost seemed like a safer place to be with the press. Tom yeah. agrees, so no alarm bells go off. Up until the very last week before she filed for a divorce, Katie played the role of the happy spouse. However, she begins to execute her plan. And one of the things that actually is the nail in the coffin for Tom and Katie's relationship, mm-hmm. you know, assuming that there was any hope left after five years of control and being in the yeah. Scientology cult, um, was apparently, so she goes on this random job to China, the super random gig endorsing a figure skating competition or something. Anyway, sources say that what occurred during this trip is what really cemented her decision to leave Tom. So when Katie left for um, for China, she leaves Surrey in New York with Tom. Okay. And when she returned, she found out that Tom had left Surrey in the care of basically these random people from the Scientology church. Yep. Yeah. And that she had, was not informed about that. So Katie is apparently livid about Surrey being exposed to these strangers. And as soon as Katie returns to New York and Tom leaves for Iceland to begin filming, Katie cleans house. With Mm -hmm. her father's help, she switches phones and email addresses, fires her security detail and fires her publicist and rehires the one she had before marrying Tom. Wow. Okay, so why does Katie choose this specific timing to leave Scientology? In short, it's to get Surrey out of Scientology. So Surrey had just turned six. And typically, once a Scientologist turns six, once a Scientologist child turns six, they start to have regular Scientology lessons and education. And Katie wanted to protect Surrey from Scientology's influence. That's why a blindside was necessary because if any of her handlers, any of the Scientology, you know, Gestapo she was living under, found out about her plan or knew what she was going to do, they would have worked tirelessly to get Katie to stay with Tom to basically trap her, probably similar to whatever's happened to Shelly Miscavige, as well as keeping Surrey in. And obviously, Katie isn't dumb. She sees Nicole Kidman. You know, Nicole Kidman's older kids, Connor and Isabella, they have no contact with their mom. They're still in Scientology, but their mom is not. And so it's pretty obvious that their mom has been labeled a suppressive person and therefore is shunned by all Scientologists, including their kid, including Nicole's kids toward her. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, Katie obviously Katie connects those dots, realizes that if she's going to get away from Tom, she needs to do so before Surrey is brainwashed into Scientology. And that starts around six years old. Also, I will say that I really take uh, offense to the idea of religious children. I don't think there's any such thing. Um, so I wouldn't even ever say it. It's like not possible for a child to be Catholic or like a child to be <laughs> a Scientologist. It's just a right. personal I have because they literally don't can't be a religious child it's no such thing okay anyway um but then I had no it's so funny because I turned so fast as soon as she did what she did and left the way she did I was like oh, I had no idea 
I had no idea the pressure she was under. I had no idea that she was aware of what was really going on. I had no idea that she was trying to save her daughter. And so I went from like, oh, we're not in that camp too. I will support her 100%. Have now, we spoken? haven't spoken to each other, and I'm going to tell you about that. When you uh, leave, you can leave quietly, but if you speak out or make any kind of statement against a senior Scientologist, which, which Tom is a senior Scientologist, he's single-handedly saving the planet. Um, that is the truth. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, that is what we're told. That is what right. we're told. Um, so if you say anything about him or do something like what Katie did, which was take her daughter and save her daughter's life, um, she's considered an enemy. By right. that action, because it says something about Tom. So um, she very often, I don't know that this is true because we haven't spoken. Very often they have to make a deal that you're not allowed to speak to any ex-Scientologist. And I would have taken that deal too if my child's life was, mm. was, was at stake. And I believe that's what happened. I don't know that that's what happened, but I, don't, I haven't reached out to her out of respect because I believe that is the deal. So... I guess the deal is she probably got to keep Surrey if um, she got to keep Surrey if she wouldn't speak out against Scientology. I bet right, you right. that's what happened. I did read a interview with a security guard, one of the Scientology, one of Tom Cruise's security guards who was in Scientology. So like one of the you know Scientologist people that followed him around, um, who left Scientology, and he said that Tom Cruise spent like close to no time with his kids, did not really seem like mm-hmm, did not seem like an involved father at all. So that actually tracks that he was fine to basically you know not have much contact or any contact with Surrey at all. If it meant keeping Katie quiet, yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So then this is also interesting. So Claire Headley. She's an ex-Scientologist who's left the fold and she tweeted, or no, I'm sorry, this is a Facebook post that she wrote. And she said, glad all you, or actually before we get to this, I want to say something. It is taught in Scientology that Tom Cruise is single-handedly saving the planet. So that is something to really keep in mind. He's treated as a god within Scientology and he's regarded as basically a deity. So I think that that part is super fascinating and just truly utterly bizarre this religion loves short men let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's so true okay so this is what claire Headley has to say and challenge she's really talking to you she says glad all you top gun fans are enjoying the new movie personally recent posts about this new movie only serve to remind me of tom cruise and his crimes against humanity extreme you may think Destroying families is a crime against humanity, my opinion. Ask yourself, when is the last time talked to his only biological daughter, Suri? Remember Katie Holmes and her extreme efforts to break free of his and Scientology's control? Tom Cruise promotes a dangerous cult that destroyed my family too. The same cult that almost cost me my marriage and my life. The same cult that forced me to have two abortions in which I fled from in 2005 with the clothes on my back and $200 in my pocket, to which they tracked me down across state lines to attempt to prevent my escape. Thank God they failed. So no, I will not watch the movie, nor will I ever support or approve of this scam of a man. Trust me, Tom Cruise knows exactly who he is supporting and the abuses and the abuses that organization perpetuates. I worked with him while I was there. No doubt my post will likely disappear with Facebook algorithms. I feel better saying 
nonetheless. And thank you to my friends who understand, you know who you are. So Leah Remini retweets this and says, thank you to my friend Claire Headley for your courage. You have continued to speak out despite the nonstop attacks from Scientology. And as Claire says in her post below, Tom Cruise knows exactly what goes on in, in Scientology. Don't let the movie star charm fool you. Dang. So, yeah. Um, and I, I do think that that's, I think that's probably one of the, you know, one of the worst things about Scientology is the suppressive person doctrine is the yeah. part where it's very FLDS. Mm -hmm. um, it's very, you know, Jehovah's Witness. I think they have the same thing um, where if you if you leave the fold, you are not allowed to right. speak to the person who left. And that is just that's come I mean, can you imagine if we weren't if like our parents didn't speak to us anymore? Like the wound that that would cause would be so it's like primordial. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean describe it. I think it and it's also I feel like such a natural urge to want to talk to your kids. So the idea that you would choose your religion over talking to your kids is crazy. It, it just goes to show I guess the um the way that religion really can cults and religions they really can cause so just so much despair destruction and turmoil mm -hmm. and i think i think also another interesting part of that is i think it's interesting that like they're also taxed like they're tax exempt organizations like because they offer salvation as like what you can pay for in these organizations mm -hmm. that suddenly they're tax exempt it just seems really weird like maybe i think retains value propositions should be like going to heaven and then we could yeah you know. i think that'd be a really interesting pivot for you <laughs> okay so um, the divorce agreement, they worked through the their divorce in record time. They reached a settlement in just 11 days. Apparently, Katie's father, a divorce attorney, drafted an ironclad prenup before they got married, which stipulated that Katie wouldn't go public with any new relationship for five years after a divorce. Katie receives $400,000 per year in child support from Tom, but no alimony. Rumor has it that part of the quick settlement required Katie to sign an NDA prohibiting her from speaking out against Tom or Scientology. Okay. NGL, not going to lie. That's not that much. That's like, extreme. I know. I know. It's like really what? nothing. I mean, for a celebrity who she's used to going on sushi dates and planes. 400K a year is like, a is like what? No alimony? I think I, she must've just been really starry-eyed and signed away her life at the beginning yeah so i guess that's another thing that really goes to show that she was so self-sacrificial mm -hmm. um getting surrey out i mean i'm sure she felt like she was but, living in a prison too but right but also wow. yeah it was worth it for her to to get out yeah even if it meant like you know doing away with the lifestyle so where are Tom and Katie now? Tom has been working steadily since the divorce. He's been linked to actress Haley Atwell. Um, but she starred as Peggy Carter in Captain America. But it doesn't seem to be a serious relationship. Katie is currently dating musician Bobby Wooten and lives in New York City with Surrey. Surrey is now 16 years old. Katie's been working steadily since the divorce, but has not had any big blockbuster movies. In 2013, it was widely speculated that she was dating Jamie Foxx, but there was no photos of them together until September 2017, just over five years after their divorce was finalized. Mm. After the divorce with Cruz was finalized, yeah. Um, there are no recent photos of Tom and Surrey. The last public photos are from when? 2012, the year of the divorce. Hmm. Pretty, pretty juicy. Yeah. Um, 
Chandler, thank you so much. Any 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 final thoughts on this couple? This makes me feel a little sick because I I really did enjoy Top Gun, but he's like a freak. You know what I will say is I was looking at all these like photos of Tom and Katie during their heyday, and I'm really surprised that they let a girl taller than Tom fly through the radar. Like that they approved that because I mean, in Nicole all the Kidman. photos. I guess, yeah, they, these ladies make him look like a total shrimp next to him. And you would think yeah. for a, like a celebrity man where images everything, that would have been like a key thing on the list. Like she has to be, you know, he under has five, enough. four. But anyway. He, uh, yeah, he has enough confidence for sure. Yeah, apparently like on the list of things they're looking for in a future wife, like she couldn't have any sort of like sex tape or any nude mm-hmm. scenes like there's all these like very puritanical restrictions right right amongst the Scientology people who you know helped figure out who his next bride would be wow I'm curious about this new girl yeah I mean I think that the time you know we're kind of out of that 90s early 2000s like minivan majority time I don't mm-hmm. think people care as much yeah about and also he's older. So it's like he's he's out of his really like parental years too. Right, right. And so I don't – I think like when you're a celebrity probably between like – especially a guy between 35 and 55, maybe it's more important or 50. Yeah. But I don't mm-hmm. think that anyone cares anymore if Tom Cruise is single. Right, right. Yeah. It's true. Interesting. <sighs> well, thank you, Lauren, for covering this. I do what I can. Um you guys, this week on the Patreon on Friday, do you have to tell you that we are going to be answering the questions you've asked anonymously? Chandler, did you see what a freak people are on, on these questions? Yeah, I saw that. Trust me. How could I not see that? Um, yeah, crazy. We'll see. We'll see what we answer. Money, sex, relationships. I mean, everything is on the table for Chandler's life. So she's going to be disclosing <laughs> everything you want to know. Oh, yes. Um, of course I will. Um, anyway, so no, we will. We really will be revealing all. So head on over to the link on the show notes to join the Patreon. And thank you so much for listening to Pop Apologist. We'll catch you next week. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. That's all for now, folks. Don't forget, give us a five-star review. Hit us up on Instagram at Apologists, and we will see you next week, live every Wednesday. Oh,